Mm. There's nothing like a good snare drum sound, man. Welcome to the Ask LSC Podcast. My name's Harrison. I'm Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Hunterville, joined today by... Hey, my name's Andrew Ruth. I'm the Missio Day Pastor here at Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Dude, it is good to have you on the podcast, man. It's a lot of fun to get to do this, to sit down and talk uh, with you about what God's been up to in the last little bit. I was kind of, I was, I was about, I was considering doing a different intro for you where I was going to play the Chicago Bulls intro music and introduce you kind of like, like that style. Um, but you can just imagine how, how it would have gone and how cool it would have been. It would have been awesome. I realized I didn't know your height. So I was, I would have just said standing at taller than me, Andrew Ruth. Um, uh, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit today on the podcast about, uh, what it means to to take up the call to love people outside of your own cultural context, what that looks like, um, experiences that uh, Andrew has had, some of the experiences I've had. I'll contribute a little, but I'm mainly here. I want to pick Andrew's Andrew's brain on this stuff a little bit. So I will start. I'll start with this question for you. Um, I'll start with this question for you, Andrew. What is uh, what is so we we just to set this up theologically we uh we were left with a call right we've heard if you've been in church for a while you've heard sermons on this jesus uh calls us to make disciples in jerusalem judea samaria to the ends of the earth so this is something right that he says we should do yeah it's um it's this great invitation so we often think of it as the great commission or even sometimes with a great commandment, um, but it really is just this great invitation. This is what God's been doing uh, since before creation, which is just sharing the love that God enjoys between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just saying, um, man, this is good. When we're other-focused, when we uh, let other people be the focus of our affection and our goals and our desires, uh, life is just better than when it's all about me. Um, and, and God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have known that throughout all of eternity, and then created a world just so they could share it. It's almost like they're sitting down one day and like my wife, uh, just like, man, you have to try this. Like, you have to try this. And so they create not only the, the whole created universe, but then they create humanity, particularly as uh, those with all the capabilities of enjoying the fullness of God. Um, but we don't just share in that. Something happens yeah. when we share it, like when we uh, not just partake in it, but when we actually share it. Um, one of my favorite writers C.S. Lewis says, our joy is incomplete until our joy is shared, Hmm. Um, which is the idea of like, you see a really good movie and it's great, uh, but it's even better when you get to share it with somebody else and see them enjoy what you enjoy, Um, whether it be a restaurant or a song, when you get to say, hey, you have to try this, you have to see this, you have to listen to this, Um, that that's essentially what mission is. It's us pointing at God and saying, you have to see this, you have to taste this, you have to know this because it's so cool. Um, And so we do that. Like you said, in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth, or as we say often around here, and that's kind of in my family, my neighborhood, um, my nation, and then to the ends of the earth, that every people would do that. So I'll, I'll tell my minute version of this first, and then I'd be curious to hear yours. So my, my first experience ever um, taking a, a trip to somewhere outside of the United States to hang out with Christ followers that spoke a different language than me, worship God differently than me. Um, but I, I grew up in South Florida and I was a part of a really cool student ministry. I was involved in the band and 
like got my start of doing all that stuff there. It was really cool. So, um, as part of that, our student ministry would take trips and I was probably, I couldn't have been more than like 14 at the time. I took a trip with our student ministry to, uh, Lima, Peru and super cool experience. I ended up going four times there in high school and twice to El Salvador. And my, my main memories of that were just like, um, astounded at seeing a different type of faith that I had never encountered before. I, I saw people, I saw, I, I met with, um, these pastors who we were partnering with and we were on a couple of those trips. I don't remember if it was the first one, they kind of blur together, but we would, you know, we would do, uh, we'd bring a band in our instruments. We do like worship concerts and, and just worship God together. It was super cool. And we meet with these pastors and I remember, um, hearing stories from these guys about how, um, there would be times where they literally were not sure where their next meal was going to come from and they would pray and, um, you know, God would just provide over and over again. And this kind of, uh, this kind of faith that for me growing up in suburban South Florida, I had not, uh, had to encounter very much and it, it shook me a lot. And it was actually, on one of those trips on like a morning devotional of getting outside of my normal thing. It's funny how this works sometimes. I think there's a whole book because, because it even does this in the gospels where they kind of like use the wrong verse to prove the right point. <laughs> so this happened my entire mm-hmm. like call into ministry happened because kind of because of that, which is funny. <clears throat> we were, someone was doing a morning devotional and they were like, uh, to whom, to whom Jesus saying to whom much is given, much will be required. And looking back now, the context of that was a lot different than what I interpreted as 15, 16. But I think the Holy spirit used that me. And I was like, huh, I know I can do this music stuff and I should, I should probably like do something more with that than, than just for me. And that became kind of the launch from, from, so that, that's kind of, that was kind of my first experience of getting involved in, in something else. There were some ups and downs that as well. I remember uh, a family, we went to their house, all like 20 of us, and they made us uh, chicken foot soup. And as like a 15 year old, I'm like, what? And, and we all, you know, we eat it. I mean, I was a picky eater and I'm like, all right, we're doing this thing and yeah. we're going for it. So, uh, I, I have, I've had a heart for that sense. Cause my, uh, a, a major part of my story has been attached to that. So, uh, for you, Andrew, what, what was the, the first time that you took that plunge and what led to it for you going somewhere totally different? Yeah. 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 Uh, like Mike says sometimes is that I really am kind of a product of God's plan a for salvation, which is that my parents um, took me to church, sometimes drugged me to church when I was growing up. Uh, but they, my parents kind of had this, uh, revival in their own spirituality when I was in around middle school, late elementary school. And so the first times I can remember, but we as a family would go on a couple mission trips. We went locally here in North Carolina after a major hurricane to do just hurricane relief stuff in the eastern part of the state. Mm. And then when I was a freshman in high school, I had just met the Lord a year earlier. So a year after kind of meeting the Lord, falling in love with the Lord, I have a chance to go to Mexico uh, with a multi-generational trip. It was mainly people older than me and about 12 high school dudes uh, all freshmen sophomores and we went and for me it really was a life-changing experience to see both the poverty people live in 
and the joy that is is possible there it really started to arrest um, some of the development of what Mike was talking about on Sunday that soft prosperity uh, theology where um, God wants me to be uh, healthy wealthy and wise um, that there's this ability that I maybe I don't need what I think I need in order to mm. experience God and to experience the joy of the Lord and it also changed a lot of other things in my life. Um, I, like you, went back uh, multiple times. I got back from that trip in early June. I immediately was just so excited to go back that I called every church kind of in our presbytery, which is the region of Presbyterian churches, to see if anybody else was going. And sure enough, there was another church in our presbytery who was headed to the same place, and I asked if I could go, and they said yes. And so I worked for another month and a half to pay for a second trip uh, to go back to Mexico. Um, and so I still look at that, and, and that got me out of my comfort zone, started to allow me to think about giving God kind of a, a broader blank check of, I'll go where you send me, I'll do what you ask me to do, I can figure this out. Um, and that you know, ultimately led to me getting to go to a lot of different places. Um, and, I, and it's changed the way I think, um, and I realize that now as I sit and talk with people who are going on their first trip, they ask questions that I'm sure I asked when I was going on my first couple of trips, uh, but have become foreign to me now. You know, I, when I was in Mexico, we lived in an area that was kind of rife with, with gang violence. It was right against the border. And so safety um, kind of started to fall away, and the question was more of like, is it worth it? Um, is it worth the risk? Is it worth doing? And, and for me, that, that question became more fundamental, not that the safety question is not important, not that we didn't have, you know, a house and walls and compounds and all those things, but it just wasn't the primary question anymore. And so we got to see that uh, just in January as we took a group of eight dudes down to Honduras to work with our partner there, Children's Impact Network. Of the eight guys who went, uh, I'm included in that number, uh, two of them, uh, it was their first mission trip. It was the first time they had ever uh, left the country on mission. It was the first time they had ever really gone anywhere with their church or a church. Um, they're both pretty new uh, both very new here to Lake Forest. And so it was fun to watch them engage in what you and I are just talking about. Uh, for them, at, you know, around, you know, in their 30s and then in their 60s. Um, mm. So in different stages of life than you and I were, but um, still getting to take the first step. So when you, do a, um, when you do a trip like that through Lake Forest, Andrew, what, what's the – I saw a bunch of pictures and recaps from it. Um, what do you guys just – I'm thinking about – Hopefully there are some people listening to this um, that have never tried this either. And maybe this is a maybe maybe listening to this podcast right now is a Holy Spirit moment for somebody of starting to do some stuff. So I'm I'm curious, um, what kind of stuff did you guys kind of spend your days doing while you're there? What was the what was the meat of the trip of what you guys did? Yeah, when we often think about mission trips, we think about what we're going to do. Um, what we're going to accomplish, what we're going to, how we're going to serve, the projects we'll work on. And, and we did those things. We painted the whole downstairs, really the whole house of um, what's called the Honduran Life Center One, which is just a family-style orphanage uh, with two floors, about 12 to 15 kids on each floor, house parents on each floor, kitchen, bathrooms, bedrooms, the whole thing. Um, we just opened the second Honduran Life Center, um, the second family style orphanage. They're next door to each other, and it's brand spanking new, brand new paint, tile, uh, everything. And so we just freshened up the old house. So there was no kind of like, well, how come they get the really nice place, and yeah. how come we get the really old place? You can imagine 25 kids living in a house. 
Uh, just imagine how dirty your house is with those kids, with your you know three or four or five kids, and the chores they do. The Honduran kids do more chores than mine do um, by a lot, and they clean better than mine do, and yet still just wear and tear on a house of 25 kids. So we just freshened it up, painted, and did all of that. But what we're really there to do is invest in relationships and listen to what God might uh, teach us through our our friends there in the Honduran Life Center. As we uh, listen to these kids who are um, either functional or literal orphans who've been brought into a family and welcomed into the family of God, um, it helped us kind of recognize places. It helped me, I'll just speak for me, helped me recognize some of the places I still live um, with kind of an orphan mentality um, that God that doesn't care for me, that God's not paying attention, where God is... Um, begrudging towards me like I'll pray and he's like ah, I guess I mean you're here um, as opposed to a, a father who is engaged and compassionate and powerful and well resourced and wants good things for me and so these kids watching them uh, they end up teaching us a ton of stuff so I'd say in Honduras especially but this is true everywhere the, the primary work is relationship work our relationship with um, the Lord um, relationship with our partners, with the kids, with the house parents, with the staff, and then the relationships with the team. That painting, painting is is, is what we do, but it's not the most important thing we do. Mm-hmm. I want to um, I want to hear some some stories from the trip a little bit because I one of the reasons I thought it'd be cool to do this is to unpack some of that in a in a way that Andrew you probably wouldn't get a chance to do on a Sunday morning. But first, I'm just I think we've talked about this a little bit here in the podcast once before when you've been on, but I'm just curious to just for someone who might've missed it or because I like hearing you talk about it, honestly, um, there, there's been a critique of, uh, of especially I would say white evangelical missions culture, some of it deservedly. So of kind of, um, of unintentionally, putting ourselves as the hero of the story. So we show up, we we land on our plane, we get there, everything is about us. We're there to to paint and dig foundations for new buildings and we da da, da we take all the pictures and we come back and celebrate how mm-hmm. how great we were and and some of that criticism is warranted, but just in hearing you talk even about this trip but your philosophy in general um you know, how do you uh, approach something like this that keeps it from feeling like that and, and the mindset that you take on and that you coach your team to take on when you're getting ready for something like this? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and kind of what comes to mind is a line from um, Michael Flake and Story Hill, uh, Lake Forest Davidson uh, previously. They often will start their service by saying uh, that we all come here it, needing something from the Lord, but we also come with something to give. And and so I think for us, often I realize what I have to give um, when I'm leaving and going across the country. And so part of it is getting in touch with my own need, my own uh, hurt, my own um, brokenness and sinfulness. And so as a, as a church, as a Lake Forest, but even as a, a broader kind of American uh, white evangelical church, it's important for me to realize and to know and for um, our trips to know that there's things that I can't learn inside my own culture, that there's things that 
I can't learn from uh, you, Harrison. There's things I can't learn from Mike Moses, uh, but I can learn from uh, Melvin in Honduras, or I can learn from my friend Danny because they have a different life experience, because they have a different cultural experience. They see aspects of God that are obscured to my vision from my perspective. And so go in with this hunger, this expectation that these people know things about God that I don't know. They have Mm. wisdom about life that I desperately need if I'm going to fulfill God's calling upon my life. And so I think it really is that. And I think the other part of it is just um, I I tell the same stories all the time, but I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just felt inadequate to accomplish what God was calling them to. Um, And I remember when I was in Mexico a long time ago, an older guy uh, he came to me and he opened the Bible, and at the very beginning of Second Corinthians, Paul says, when I came to you, I resolved to know nothing except Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says just a little bit later uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 5, he says, our competence or our, our, our sufficiency, our competence, to, not that we are competent in and of ourselves for anything, but our competence comes from the Lord who has made us ministers of a new covenant by his Holy Spirit. And so I just repeat that to myself. Uh, but the aphorism or the parable I use often is, um, I've heard somebody say, uh, how much is a basketball worth? Well, a million-dollar basketball in my hands is worth about 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but a $10 basketball in the hands of Steph Curry is worth about a million bucks because what's most important is not the quality of the tool but the skill of the user. And our mm. God is very, very skillful. Um, mm. I like that. I like that. Now, that's helpful, man. And I, I think um, – I think from what I've seen in my time being here, just to clarify, I th- I think that Lake Forest um, over years has, uh, because we've had great leaders, and it's awesome having you on board, Andrew, as well, and continuing that. I feel like um, you know we've done a we've done a better job. I probably at at times of trying to approach things with that mindset of being. Uh, learners and we're also like we talked about here numerous times in the podcast even here with what we're doing inside our own space we feel super called um even within our own four walls to uh make sure that we're not just the uh white evangelical church on the corner here on gilead and that we are um making making even even what we're doing here in huntersville a place to uh hear from different voices different cultures, people don't look like us, that, that we are a church that is absolutely mm-hmm. uh, a safe place yeah. for people at all ages, stages of life, backgrounds, experiences, renders, jace, uh, genders, race, sexuality, all all the stuff. We want to share the love of Jesus with all those people and, uh, and continually listen, learn, build relationships with folks. So all that to say, caveat on all that. Yeah, no, we uh, <laughs> absolutely. And so kind of some examples of that as we traveled, um, anytime you travel, one of the things that people are amazed at is just um, the faithfulness of God's people who are in difficult circumstances, but who say yes to a task or a mission and then do what they need to do and then just do what they can to accomplish that. And so uh, this trip was really beautiful because we saw the first four children move into the Honduran Life Center. Number two, the second family-style orphanage in Honduras uh, through Children's Impact Network. And what's really beautiful about that, you know, just 
in the small picture is seeing four kids who didn't have a home, you know, a month ago who now have a home, mm. who uh, a month ago didn't have uh, regular food or meals or education or spiritual import into their life, who now do. Um, what's even cooler is zooming back and the beauty of working through Lake Forest and CIN over the last 20 years is this is a 20-year partnership that started in Bolivia for us and then has expanded to Honduras. And as a church, we've been going to Honduras for 10 years. And so 10 years ago, we went to Honduras, got to see the very first kids that Children's Impact Network was able to to, to rescue and to refamily in a rented home that we just paid rent on while we started looking for land. We had Lake Forest ministry partners who went and searched out the land and, and walked the land that eventually became uh, Children's Impact Network's compound. Uh, then a different trip went and laid the foundation of that home. Uh, other trips went and poured and, and built block walls around it to make it a compound so that it was safe for kids to play without having to have you know constant surveillance. Then uh, even just in the last little bit, three years ago, a men's group went and poured the, the floor for the Honduran Life Center too. And so we were there, God allowed Lake Forest the incredible privilege of both starting the home's construction and starting the home's inhabitation and ministry. So mm. just by God's mercy. Um, and, and for me, that was really personal because six months ago, I was there with a group from Lake Forest in June of 2022. And the house was almost finished. The second family style orphanage was almost finished. And so a group of us went up and we just prayer walked it. And I remember... Mm. Uh, walking in these bedrooms that had no furniture and just touching these walls and praying over kids that last June, June 2022, were living on the streets or in uh, the slums and praying over them. God, I don't know where these kids are. I don't know who they are, but we were praying over them and just weeping in these rooms that, that they were, there were going to be kids here soon. Hmm. Kids were going to have a home. And I just am sitting in there weeping with several other grown men. And then as a, to get the privilege of to look at these kids in the face and say, I, like, we literally prayed for you six mm. months ago. We didn't know you. We didn't know where you were. But we knew God knew you, and we knew God was calling you to this place. And so we've been praying for you in earnest for six months. Um, and then they show up the very first day of work. It was just this incredibly sweet gift of God. Um, and what I, and so, so it's just so, such a gift from God to Lake Forest as a whole and that's part of the beauty of being part of the family of God is I can't do it all, but I don't have to. We, we as a church have been a part of a story that is so much bigger than us. And we were all made to inhabit a story, a mission that's bigger than that I can't accomplish in my lifetime, that I can't accomplish in my children's lifetime. Uh, but to raise up generations that, that of faithfulness um, who over generations, over decades— make inestimable impact in the world and in human lives. Well, and how cool is that for you talk about the, the longevity of this partnership and it's just, it, it, it kind of is, gives you chills thinking about a little bit to walk into a place like that. And you just get a sense of, um, number one, this is a, this is a holy place and, so so much uh, good work that pleases God is being done by the people who are running this on a day to day basis, and and second, how cool it is to look at um, in both of those buildings. I know over all these years, um, 
the hands of people of Lake Forest have been over about every inch of those spaces. So you look at a you look at a piece of the wall and the paint on it or a, a tile on the floor or think about the, even the the land probably that the second building was on there probably was a team that helped to clear like all of the all the pieces of this and how cool it is that I, I, I talk all the time on Sunday mornings here with our teams that serve. Um, the neat thing about serving is that uh, God and his goodness allows mm-hmm. us to mm-hmm. be partners in the ministry that he wants to get done. It's like a gift. It's a gift to us to be able to, for God to say, there's some really cool stuff happening and there's some things that I want to do. And for whatever reason in my providence, I'm looking at you and all of your uh, brokenness and all of your striving and trying and and reaching towards living a life of holiness. And I'm going to look at you and say, that's the person I want to partner with me in this. How cool, man. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You can tell a lot about the health and the, the humility and the spiritual vitality of a church by whether they use language and insert like their servants, their teams, their worship leaders, the people making coffee use the language of I have to or I get to. Mm. Um, and as a family, we've tried hard to kind of ban the words I have to, even when it's, you know, I have, an, I have a one-year-old who's teething. So she wakes up in the middle of the night and, and it's really tempting to say, man, I have to wake up or I had to wake up last night and, and hold my daughter as opposed to saying, man, I get to be a dad. I get to shepherd this little girl's heart. I get to express comfort to her. And through that, I also get to, you know, spend an extra 45 minutes in the middle of the night talking to the Lord. Um, like I, I, I had a wake up call and God, yeah. I get to. And so we, um, yeah, in, in the old Psalms and in, in the Bible, um, Isaiah says, it's not too small a thing to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. That, like, even if my only job is opening doors for the temple, like, what a privilege that I get to be the one um, that. So I'm with you in that. And, and there's something right in going, going on these trips. They don't fix everything. In fact, our partners do. Like you said, our partners are just our heroes. And so are these children that we're ministering to. Uh, but they really are ministering to us. We get to see their stories of redemption. And it is, it's medicine and motivation for our own spirituality. Uh, I was, this past trip, again, God talking to me, I'm meeting with these guys, we're sitting and talking about um, what Jesus' brother James says, uh, that religion that talks a good game is worth nothing, but religion that is uh, pure and blameless is religion that cares for the orphan and the widow and keeps itself from being polluted by the world. Hmm. And I focused on the first half of that, but I had that second part, polluted by the, the, the cares of this world or polluted by this world. It, it hit me our first day. We were talking about why some of these old-timers who've been to Honduras multiple times come back and what they get out of this trip. And, and as they talked, I realized that something about being around vulnerable people, being around the orphan and the widow, those who have felt needs, who, who are praying for their daily bread, it is a... Um, it vaccinates me against materialism in a really powerful way. It mm. reminds me that what I want is not what I need, uh, that that where what I think God owes me, um, I am not entitled to. And it and to polluting, not in the sense of like keeps me from listening to secular music or something like that, which we tend to think of as that, but it's more of these l- large 
cultural meta narratives of who of where I find my identity, where I find my joy, where I find my value. When I meet people who find their identity and joy and value and have a deep reservoir of joy and yet don't have any of the things that my culture says you have to have, that cures me of something. Mm-hmm. And it did this time too. We saw individuals um, who were starting to, again, see that they ha- what, that what we have um, has been given to us that we, so that we can give it away or so we can use it to serve, whether that be you know, what we call talents or whether those be resources, uh, that it was given to me so that it could move through me uh, to the people that God is sending it to, that God doesn't just send it directly to the people he wants it. He likes to pass it through you, through me. Um, like I don't, you know, even worship on Sunday morning comes through, the music comes through you to me. Um, and, and there's something powerful about that. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's such a good point. And um, the way that, the way that it, it vaccinates us in a way, it's such a, a, a good word to use because I, it's it's um it's not a it's not like a uh um it's not like Ebenezer Scrooge seeing what could be and he comes home and he's like oh thank goodness that's not me it's literally the opposite of that it's seeing people uh i remember one of the trips i went to in el salvador andrew i'm sure you have 30 stories like this of uh we we went with a group uh a church and part of their ministry is there is a dump on the edge of San Salvador and there are, I don't know how many, more than hundreds Mm -hmm. of people who, who live in this dump. They make little shanty houses out of junk that they find. They eat scraps of things that other people have thrown away and uh, you see people live, and then you see um, people in the middle of, of about the worst situations you can find these, these uh, pastors who go in faithfully every week and they pull in and the kids come running up to hear stories about Jesus and they share hope with them. And rather than being defeated, um, you see how the the hope and joy of Christ exists even in the, the darkest places in the world. And it gives you uh, hope and purpose to say, man, the, I've seen firsthand the, the things that I'm tempted to chase sometimes mm-hmm. that leave you empty. And then I've seen people with nothing and people who are serving and ministering to those who have nothing who are still so encouraged and uplifted by what the gospel means. So that, that's the vaccination we get is like, look at the joy in the midst of that, that the joy exists still. The, 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 the plant is growing between the two cracks of asphalt and right. And it's still somehow there. Right. Right. And it elicits a hunger for the right things. And so um, a couple of stories that just helped me are, are just, to just give you a, a taste of it, uh, first at the homes there. So, like I said, we welcome the first four kids to the HLC2, the, the most recent children to join the Honduran Life Center. Uh, but not that long ago, uh, a different Lake Forest trip had the chance to welcome a handful of kids. And, and they're still there, um, friends uh, who have your same name, Harrison, and um, kids in, in, in there that we love. Um, and they're now, they're five, six years older now, so they're some of the oldest kids in the home. And so Lake Forest people told me stories about them showing up to the house scared and, and alone and unsure and uncertain. And then I had the privilege of watching these kids, kids like um, Harrison and Arturo, um, Giselle and uh, Genesee, who 
not that long ago were the scared new kids and now are bringing these first these kids under their arms. So on Monday mm. when these first four kids show up and are scared to death and don't know what's going to happen to them, by Thursday and Friday are falling asleep in the arms of kids who we welcomed five years ago mm. and have been just poured into and discipled and parented and loved. And they're now giving that away to a whole nother generation of kids um, who trust them and look to them. And then to have you know men there uh, this time who were looking at these 15-year-old bo- boys and saying, hey, just a reminder, um, you're those little boys' heroes. Every th- they're watching everything you do, and they want to be just like you when they grow up. And, and that's, a, that's a privilege and a responsibility. And so to, to see those stories of redemptions, kids who's, um, who are unsure of themselves now becoming leaders, kids who uh, had nothing now becoming, you know, one of... I think about my friend Harrison, who now has been working hard, saving up, and he's able to take karate lessons. He <laughs> rides his bike. Like It's, it's just awesome. a big deal that he gets to ride his bike into town, go to karate, and come back. Um, and, he, and he does that through chores and, and odds and ends. And so it's just neat to see kids who are growing in discipleship. Uh, the other thing uh, that stands out to me is um, as we l- were there watching what God does in the men who are watching these redemption stories and kids um, – I think about watching one man um, who's sitting there trying to communicate with this six-year-old Honduran girl across <laughs> language. He doesn't know a lot of Spanish. She doesn't know a lot of English. Mm-hmm. And But they're working together. They're painting. This little six-year-old girl who's probably, you know, three and a half feet tall, four and a half feet tall, tiny. And she's got this massive paint-extended roller, and she's painting ceilings. And, and they're laughing and cutting up. And, and by Thursday or so, they have, like, their own little communication and language, and they're able to communicate uh, both affection and need and these yep. things. And I see this hope happen when I realize I can communicate with somebody I didn't think I could communicate. And it's the same hope. Um, it, it, it restores hope that maybe I could communicate with my spouse. If I can learn to communicate with this six-year-old yep. girl across gender barriers, cultural barriers, and language barriers, maybe I could learn to communicate again with my spouse. You know, who seems to speak a different language sometimes or seems to just, you know, men are from, you know, what is it, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Or yep. what, that all of a sudden this, this, this man has hope that he could re-engage in his, with his spouse and actually accomplish the same kind of loving relationship that he was able to affect with just this little six-year-old girl. Or uh, mm. I, I watch another young dad, me and this other young dad are talking a lot about what it's like to have kids who are the same age as these children. Yeah. And especially watching uh, the intentionality with which these children are parented, whether it be um, calling them to chores, you know, mopping, weed eating, um, washing dishes, making tortillas by hand, cooking meals. They do all of these things uh, that often I assume my eight-year-old can't do. And I kind of give them a pass. But I'm watching six and seven and eight year olds do all of these things because they've been coached and trained and and then expectations have been placed on them, loving, healthy expectations that call them up into higher ground. Mm. And I'm realizing I've been kind of lazy in my parenting. I just don't want to go through the hard conversations of shifting expectations from my children. And that's true practically about dishes and mopping and vacuuming. But it's also true spiritually. When you watch, you know, these kids who um pray over meals or lead worship in their homes or 
um, parent younger, you know, they're, they're, they help parent the younger kids. And I realized that I, I can, I can, I can train, I can disciple my children to do the same kinds of spiritual tasks. Mm. Um, and it, it kind of rescued me from lackadaisical parenting. It kind of rescued me from the, the, what feels like an ever lowering bar for what, um, children have to do. Sure without making them be adults. Like the, the kids at the Hunter and Life Center are kids. They play and laugh and run. They all got bicycles for Christmas, and so it was one big bicycle rally the whole time. They were doing, you know, building ramps, and they work hard and they play hard. And, and I realized that I needed to raise the volume on both of those knobs at my house, the mm. volume of responsibility, but also the volume of sheer fun of, like, you're going to be we're gonna, – we're going to make sure you're, you get to act more and more like a kid but a kid with responsibilities. Sure. That's awesome, man. Well, um, Andrew, thanks for sitting down today. I want to, I want to end it like this actually just feeling led to don't always do it, but I want to, uh, I want to end, uh, by, uh, praying for folks who are listening to this. So I want to do that and we'll, we'll wrap it. We'll end that way. Um, I want to pray, uh, God, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, through your people here at Lake Forest Church and around the world for using uh, Andrew and his gifts as uh, as he helps to raise up teams and helps to show people uh, what this part of their role in God's story could be around the world. Uh, I pray for folks listening to this who maybe are just starting to do something. Uh, maybe, maybe they have not been uh, on any experience like this in their life, but just hearing this, there's just the, that bell going off in their mind of, uh, maybe this is something I should investigate and look into. God, I pray for, uh, courage and and boldness, uh, for those folks to take a step, um, to move forward and, and just to see what else that you might have out there for them as you, uh, God desire to grow all of us in your, in your holiness and making us more like Jesus and helping us to, um, helping us to be, uh, givers of love learners and listeners as we try to bring your kingdom into the present. There's not many better ways that, that you call us to do that together than by, uh, seeing what your church is doing in other places yeah. and getting an opportunity to, to partner with them. So yeah. I just thank you for, uh, for in your goodness, calling us uh, to partner with you and what you're doing, God, in this good work. So we are, uh, we're thankful to be your sons and daughters. We, uh, we yeah. just pray, pray uh, for, for us here at Lake Forest, for, for folks listening to this, that you would just uh, begin and continue to do uh, work in our lives. Yes, Lord. You're good, and we thank you. In your yeah. name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll catch you next time. If you're curious about getting involved, Email Andrew, man, aruth at lakeforest.org. He'll get you all hooked up. He'll have a cup of Defined with you. He'll give you the whole scoop and get it all rolling. So appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.